And let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 8. We are still studying about the doctrine of respite, that is uh, R-E-S-P-I-T-E. This word is only found two times in the Word of God, and I think that's interesting because the Bible says that there, everything will be established at the mouth of two witnesses. So this is a very, very important doctrine. Do not think it uh, is not important just because it's not mentioned very much. So let's look at uh, Exodus 8 and look at verse 12. Exodus 8, verse 12. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh... And Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So it says, verse 15, But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless the study. We yield your spirit. We pray that he would empower us and embolden us. He'd fill us and flow through us. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. And help us to understand uh, the privilege of being here tonight, being in your will, uh, being aware of thy greatness, of eternity, uh, the brevity of life, the certainty of death, the coming judgment, the coming of Christ. Uh, we thank you that we're aware of these things. Help us to know the cycles and the phases of life in understanding conviction of the Holy Spirit, indictment, in our heart and in our conscience. We pray that you would use this to remind us of some things and uh, to teach us some new things to understand the doctrine of visitation uh, foreordained, God-ordained, divine appointments. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So just give you a real short review on what we've been uh, talking about uh, feelings come and go. We know this. So we're not to live by feelings. Uh, I think it was Frank Sinatra. Boy, I'm a, he had that song, Feelings, nothing more than feeling. He admitted how he lived and what he lived by. Uh, feelings uh, add to our life. They're very important, but we should not live by them. And so feelings come with the cycles of life, the ups and downs, the flow of life, also the seasons of life, and also spirits come and go. Spirits just come, it'll go. Where did it go? It will come back around. The Bible talks about the wind is according to the circuits of Almighty God. And so respite relates to this. Respite is that pause of relaxation in between 
something we feel, conviction. So if God is dealing with you about something, and as I said earlier, we ought to be very excited that God still deals with us because God has to only bring conviction and drawing one time to be a just God. You think about that. One time to be a just God. So respite, the word means breathing, the wind, or relief. So this is the pause in between a breath, just like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, vanity and vanities, all is vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity and vexation of spirit. And this is the same doctrine as it relates. So when we inhale, there's a pause. And then when you exhale, there's a pause. When you inhale, there's a pause. Then we exhale again. So respite pertains to when God is convicting us, dealing with us, and it is intense, but then there will be a period of nothing. Nothing happens. So this conviction is still there. We know right from wrong. We know God has dealt with us, but the intensity of it varies on the up and the down or the cycles of the uh, moving of the Spirit. So the pressure, the uh, stress, if you will, the trouble, the awareness of there's a real problem and we need to deal with it. The conviction, it will pause for a while. So we looked at in Genesis 6, when God was going to bring the flood of Noah and destroy every living soul on the earth because they had turned on God, violence filled the earth, the Nephilim giants roamed the earth. He said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Not going to always strive. He said it will be 120 years. So Noah preached 120 years. He was a preacher of righteousness. He obeyed God. He built the ark. Only eight souls believed his preaching. Only eight. You know, so don't get discouraged. Sometimes you think nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Uh, Noah preached 120 years. Only eight got it. And one of them was him. So... This is only mentioned twice. The other place is in 1 Samuel eleven three, 3, when Nahash of the uh, Ammonites invaded Gilead. He surrounded the city, and they asked for seven days respite. They said, don't attack. Give us seven days. Don't intensify the besiege. And... Uh, Ended up, Saul comes in, they destroyed all of them. God wrought a great battle for them. Uh, but that's the only other place that respite is uh, used. So as we looked at last week, just a quick reminder, in all of life there's a chronological order of cycles, of phases of life, of eras of life, and in those cycles in life, there is an energy. So it is a pulse, a beat, a rhythm, 
or a tempo. And we find this in the book of Psalms. Uh, you'll see that word selah quite a bit, S-E-L-A-H. And so selah means quit singing, quit playing the music, let everything return back down to zero. It's a time of contemplation. Think it over for a while. Uh, I always, well, not always, but I try to live by the principle if you have to have the answer right this second, it's probably no. Because the Bible says, he that believeth shall not make haste. I need to think this over for a while. I need to pray about this for a while. I will not be forced into a situation where I have to decide very, very quickly. So in the sila, we think about it a while. I take some time. I pause. And a lot of people, they're so busy, they can't sit still and know that He is God. And I'll guarantee you, uh, the people who had a roof leak the last time it leaked, and then it hadn't rained for a while, it's not as bad of a problem as it was until it rains again. And then you oh, I should have done something about that. And then, but sometimes... We forget. So human nature is sinful nature. And when God is dealing with us, this is the time to deal with God. Because when it's intense, there's an indictment. There's a real moving of the Spirit. God wants us to yield to Him, to humble ourselves before Him. I use this illustration. It's a great one. Texas is very good with our road system. If you've ever traveled to other states, you'll begin to realize how great Texas is. And I'm not bragging just because I was born here. But, you know, we went to um, New Mexico a few weeks ago, however long that was. As soon as you cross the state line, the roads change. I mean, potholes, the, the, everything's changed. Speed limits down to 55 because they don't want some uh, inebriated Native American getting in a head-on collision. Um, but shoulder, they don't have good shoulders. Uh, everything is uh, different, but they also have meridians in the, in, that block the boulevards. It's not easy to get from one side of the street to the other, and it's probably like this in other states too, and in some cities it is here in Texas. But if, if you're going down the highway and you miss your exit, and sometimes we take it for granted, you know, I need to start getting in. If you're in the far left lane, I need to start moving over. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of traffic. I better get in the middle lane. Uh-oh, I better start getting in the right lane. And then uh, we've probably all done it. You, you missed your turn. You missed the exit. So what happens? You got to go all the way down, find an overpass, a U-turn, or an underpass, and go back, find it again. It's not always that easy to get on the road you're trying to get to and the will of God is that way when you're when when God is dealing with you he's saying this is something you need to change this is something you need to get right uh, 
it won't last forever because respite is going to come. And, you know, if, if you miss that turn, we did it recently on a trip. And in other states, it's not like, oh, yeah, there's a turn quarter mile down the road or half mile. Yeah, just do the. No, you got mile after mile after mile of wasted time and wasted energy. You need to be watching for God's will. It's the same thing. And so Pharaoh, when he was under conviction, he was really thinking about it. I need to let God's people go. Now, in the text, this was after the plague of the frogs. And uh, I can relate to this a little bit. And this is kind of a disgusting story. But when we were little kids, we'd go up to visit my grandparents in uh, Oklahoma. And they produced rodeos. They had their bucking arena and they'd have the the horses in one pasture and the bucking bulls in another and then they would have these ponds and they were just muddy ponds we like to fish for crawdads and you know little little kids we that was a big deal for a city slicking guy you get a piece of bacon put a nail through it tie it through a string throw it out there and you'd pull it in there'd be crawdads or crawfish all over it and uh, you know there was uh, well, blue, red pinchers and blue pinchers, and they'd have the eggs all over them. But uh, one night, my uncle said, "Y'all boys ought to go frog gigging." And uh, so, you know, they they sell a literal gig. It looks like uh, a trident, you know, but uh, on the end of a pole. And you'd go out there with the spotlight, and it's pretty cruel. I, I've, I've gotten over these types of things in my old age, but there's a poor frog sitting there you flash you know shine the light in his eyes you gig him and then he'd say yeah i got this folgers can here old metal can put him in there and uh i remember one time my grandma said well you boys need to know what it's like to eat frog legs i want to fry you up some frog and I, I never forget when they jumped out of the pan literally the uh, the nerves kicked in or something and the, and the frog legs kicked in. And it's kind of stringy. Uh, yeah, I would say it's, look at my wife's disgusted. But it, it is white meat, and it'll keep you alive uh, if you're starving. But anyway, it was, it, this was in the summer, probably July or August, very hot. And we had quite a few of those things in there. And little kids as we were, we left it on the back porch. And uh, it's a stench. You know, I, I know all death is bad, but dead frogs is absolutely has a stench of its own. And can you imagine the whole land of Egypt covered in dead frogs? They could not step without squishing a dead frog. The whole land stank it says right here it's unbelievable you know you talk about whoo that'll curl your nose hairs or that'll uh that'll gag a maggot or uh what what they say in the old west that'll knock a maggot off of a gut bucket whatever that is but i mean it is it's a horrific smell you know i only smelled a little can of them um so pharaoh's thinking about it maybe i ought to let them go 
This is, who is this God of Israel? But as soon as Moses cried unto God, and all the carcasses were gone, and the, the air was fresh again, he got what was called respite. And what did he do? He hardened his heart. He said, I'm not letting them go. Why would I let them go? I don't smell any dead frogs right now. So this is what went on over and over and over with this uh, cycle. The judgment of God, the plagues of God on the gods of Egypt. He would think about it. He'd get under heavy, intense consideration and conviction. As soon as the Nile River wasn't blood anymore, he'd go, no, I'm not letting them go. You know, and, and you need to watch out for that because this is teaching us to live by principle, not by feelings. Live by policy, not by feelings. There's certain things you shouldn't do whether you feel one way or about it or another. So I want us to look back. Let, let's look at the, uh, some of the chronology with this. Look at chapter 7 of uh, Exodus. And look what it says in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. So these gods of Egypt were going to battle with who? The God of Israel, Jehovah, but God made Moses a god to them. Aaron was his prophet or his spokesman. And look what it says in verse 2 and 3. It says, Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of this land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt for or by great judgments. So why did Pharaoh harden his heart? Because when the respite came, he said, I'm not doing it. Who is this God of Israel that I should obey him? But then when the conviction and the problem was there, you know, how many people have had physical problems and let's say a pain and it really hurts and you'll go, boy, I ought to do something about that. Man, this might be something serious. And then the pain will go away for a while. And you'll go, ah, what's a jalapeno? Yeah. What, what's, uh, I don't know, pizza and a Coke and ranch dressing? Yeah. And a jalapeno. And those pepper flakes. You know, what? what and then you'll go, oh, yeah. I, I, th I thought something was hurting inside of there. It, you get, and then, but what'll happen? Well, it went away. It must not be that big a deal. So it could just be indigestion or like they used to say in the old days, it didn't set right with me. I don't know. Whatever that is doesn't set right with me. So I want us to look now, if you would, 
to chapter, uh, go back to chapter 5. And this is the verse that I've been, uh, let, let's look at this, chapter 5, look at verse 1. It says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So I want us to turn now... Uh, back to chapter 7 and before we go to the New Testament and look at chapter 7 and look what it says in verse 14 and the Lord said to Moses Pharaoh's heart is hardened he refuseth to let the people go so look then at eight, chapter 8 verse 15 but when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So then look at verse 23. Or look at verse 22. It says, And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end Thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. So in all these plagues, think about it. Now Israel lived in Goshen. The frogs didn't go to Goshen. The flies were not in Goshen. Uh, the boils did not affect the livestock and the people in Goshen. God put a division. And we really need to claim this, Psalm 91, with all of these plagues and pestilences that come along. But God is saying that they're His people. Let them go. I have showed you my mighty power. And Pharaoh knew it. He saw it. His magicians tried to copy it when uh, Moses threw down the rod and it turned to a serpent. The magicians, the witches came in. They made their rods turn into serpents. Moses' serpent ate and swallowed the serpents of the Egyptian magicians. And all along, Pharaoh was beginning to get under heavier and heavier conviction. He was considering it more and more and more. But then what would happen? When the plague would go away, he'd go, I don't need, I don't know this God. I'm not letting them go. So let's go through the chronological order. This is very simple, but all of us have experienced this. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. We have all gone through this. And I want to say this, this is very important. Respite is the test of God in our life of will we do business with God when the feeling leaves, when the intensity is gone, when there's a pause, a relaxation, 
Will we do what we're supposed to do even when the conviction has uh, left? So, you know, I can, I've told you this story, I, I think I have quite a few times, but right before I got saved, this was in 1982. Late at night, we would stay up two, three in the morning with my buddies. They weren't really my friends. Reading the book of Revelation. And, and, and we'd read, oh, what is this? Who, what is this red dragon? What is going on? Hailstones that weigh a hundred pounds. What is going on uh, with all of these trumpet judgments and and the vile judgments and all these things that the, the trumpet judgment, all these things that were going on, the seals, opening of the seals. And that went on for a long time. And we were under conviction. And we would talk to each other and we'd say, we better get right. We don't have much time. We're in deep sin. We need to repent and turn to God. You know, God only had to do that one time. But in His kindness and His mercy, it happened over a period of months, over and over. You know what happened? Somehow I got saved. I got saved. God miraculously drew me unto Himself and granted unto me eternal life through simple faith in Christ. There was two other guys there. I won't say their names. One guy ended up having a heart attack and died. He's in eternity. The other guy had a stroke. He was impaired on one side of his body. I do not know what happened to him uh, spiritually or physically to this day. This was in 1982. You know why they didn't get saved? Because the conviction went away. Man, we better do something. This is bad. And then, I don't feel a thing. Do you feel anything? I don't feel anything. And then God will come in. I need to get right. I need to do something about this. And then respite comes. Ah, it's no big deal. You know, that's why Jesus said, watch. Watch. We are not to be caught as a thief in the night at the second coming of Christ. We know, but you know, sometimes that you're, you're listening for the rapture, and sometimes it's like, huh, we forget, don't we? It, it's human nature, it's sinful nature. That's why there's power in remembrance, and they said, stir it up by way of remembrance. So let me go through this just real quick. First of all, there's a conviction, a, an awareness of an indictment that we need to take action. There's a reason why this has happened. God's made, making me feel a certain way. There's a trouble and an intensity of the pressure at this time in my life. This is exactly what happened with Pharaoh and all the plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians. Now, when this happens, there's going to be a consideration and so, I want to read it to you uh, again in chapter 7, in verse 23. It says, And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, 
Neither did he set his heart to this also. Why? He hardened his heart. God says, if you want to harden your heart, I will help you harden your heart. But he did not set his heart to it. So we would call this, he procrastinated. He put it off. He did not do what he needed to do and take action. So there's some consideration. When this happens, the heart becomes hard. You know, it says in Hebrews 3 and 4, harden not your heart as they did in the day of provocation. Don't harden your heart. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Because when we harden our heart, God hardens our heart. And then when we harden it more, God hardens it even more. And, but He keeps moving. You know, you think about the lice, the flies, the frogs, the river turned to blood, all these things that were happening, all the miracles. And every time His heart was harder and harder and harder and it talks about becoming hard like a stone adamant against God having a seared conscience and so the boils came he hardened it some more in chapter 9 verse 7 the hail came he hardened it even more in chapter 9 verse 35 then look at chapter 10, if you will, of Exodus. And so we, we see this repeated cycle. Verse 1, Exodus 10, 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him. So, after this, it took the establishment of the Passover, the death of all the firstborn who did not observe the Passover and put the blood of the lamb on the lintels of the doorpost. And when the death angel passed over that land and we sing the song, you know, we, we shouldn't sing these songs lightly. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Well, God didn't see the blood in Pharaoh's home. God didn't see the blood in all the homes of all the Egyptians. And finally he said, go, go. He was so sorrowful for the loss of his son. Now we know the story. Israel goes out, spoils Egypt with a mixed multitude. They get to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea. Israel goes across on dry ground. And Pharaoh repeated the same old guilty way of living. You know what he did? He said, well, the grief is not what it was. The conviction isn't as bad as it was. He had respite again. He got all of his army with the chariots 
went into the Red Sea, hardened his heart even more, and Pharaoh and all of his army was drowned. You know, and it's interesting. Some of, it, of them, it says they sank like lead to the bottom, and the other ones, it says that they washed up on the shore. Um, interesting things that happened there. Now, why did this happen as we read it? He did not set his heart to it. So we will either set our heart or God will harden our heart. The choice is ours. I'm through, but think about this. Use the illustration again. When you're going down the road and that, that computer's talking to you, take exit so-and-so. In half a mile, take exit so-and-so. And you're not uh, paying attention and uh, you didn't get in the lane. You didn't get off the, the uh, exit lane onto the access road. And then you're thinking, well, this is not that big a deal. I can just go down, do a U-turn, or maybe I can take a turn and take some back road and get to where I was. You know, how many times? It's not as convenient as that. There could be construction. There could be a traffic jam. There could be a wreck up ahead. Many things could happen that would delay getting to where you wanted to go. And how many people put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off and die and go to hell? They had every chance to receive Christ as their Savior. They had every chance of God drawing them unto Himself. But when the respite came, they said, it's not as bad as I thought. It's not that serious of a situation we can postpone this to a latter date and how many people you know it's very sad you think about are in hell right now because they thought god's spirit would strive always and so if god quits dealing with us it's over why no man seeketh after god no man Jesus said, no man can come unto me unless the Father draw him. God, in order to be just, must only draw us one time. Now, isn't that amazing? Some of us have had decades of drawing. Decades. Months. Weeks. Years. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God hardened his heart. Because he did not set his heart to it. All right, let's stand. Please pray about our um, good news ministry. This is Friday night. Uh, if you'd like to come, it's more than a substance abuse, it's a fellowship, it's also a discipleship program. You ought to try it. Uh, a lot of people go that are not addicted. Um, though we're all addicted to something. But uh, you ought to try it. There's a meal. It's a Friday nights from 6 to 7.30. Uh, please pray for our assisted living ministry. It's uh, Saturdays at uh, early in the morning, 10 o'clock, 10.30. And then please remember our door-to-door -door soul winning 
and the services on Sunday. Uh, get some tracks, 